Welcome to Gimcrack Videos. How can I help you? Hi. Hello. Yeah, we're just uh, browsing for something a little different. Well, have you tried our Forgotten Classics section? Is that the one that's over there under the sign that says Blighted by God? Oh, found something. Have you seen this before? No, I've never even heard of it. Perfect. Wonderful. Enjoy your selection. <laughs> you know we're still here, right? <clears throat> oh. Hey everyone, welcome to Found on Shelf, the podcast where we tell you everything you had never wanted to know about movies you'd wish you'd never seen. I'm Patrick, here once again asking you to stare unblinking into the endless abyss. And with me as always is my co-host, the incomparable Dustin. Dustin, how are you doing tonight? You know, I'm doing I'm doing wonderful. Um, I know we normally say movies you, you'd never wish you'd seen, but I'm so glad I saw this. <laughs> I'm so happy that's your reaction. Last time... Or previously on Found on Shelf, <laughs> you picked out a ninja movie that was so impressive. Uh, and by that, I mean it impressed upon me the importance of picking a better ninja movie immediately. Did I succeed? Yeah. I, I, okay. Okay. I think, I think you've, you've like fully redeemed yourself and I've just gone full tilt heel. And I'm just like, <laughs> between New York Ninja and this, it's you've been on quite a roll here. And I'm just like, let's watch... Parasite and Little Ninjas. Wow. That's that's okay. Hard Ticket to Hawaii is on my list, and we're going to get there. <laughs> uh, so for the record this week, uh, and what may be our most mainstream pick so far, yeah. uh, we are talking about the one, the only, Miami Connection. Uh, now, before I give my synopsis of the film, how would you sell someone on this movie? I, I, it's simple. It's, it's literally the best Miami ninja rock opera ever to be set in central Florida. <laughs> I did like three takes on that one. One was like, it does to uh, Miami what chopping does to, or what chopping mall does to chopping. That, that joke is better than, 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 it, than our, than our podcast. <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so the first time I saw this movie, um, it was on Netflix on April Fool's Day back when they were cool. Okay. And I read the description that they had, and I'm like, there's no way this movie is real. And the description they had was um, something to the effect of Miami Connection is a movie in which a Taekwondo band battles a gang of motorcycle ninjas for control of Miami's drug trade. And I clicked play thinking it was, you know, fake content. And I, I couldn't believe it when it was, when it was real. <laughs> it was like proof of the divine. God exists and wants me specifically to be happy. Yeah, it's and it 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 nailed exactly what it said it was. I gotta say, this is the so for anyone just now joining our show. Typically, one of us picks out a show to watch or a movie to watch, and then uh, um, they do a bunch of behind the scenes research as to the actors and the making of and all that stuff, and the other one just gets to sit back and kind of enjoy it. This was probably the hardest movie for me not to look up information on. I desperately need to know so much about this movie. 
All right. Uh, well, my source <laughs> for a lot of this is uh, honestly for this one, it's going to be a lot of the special features and making of features on the actual draft house release of the film. Uh, this movie, if you do want to watch it, by the way, just off the top, it's on streaming pretty much anywhere. You do have to pay for it, but it's it's there. There's the real version. There's the Rift Tracks version. Watch the real version first before watching the Rift Tracks version because this movie needs to be experienced as is. Or if you want, you can just go all in and buy the draft house release film. I have that. I got it with the soundtrack, with a, a movie poster that is way too big for me to actually display, and I'm rocking the Dragon Sound t-shirt right now, so I am all in on this film, and you can be too. So I thought about that description for a while, and I think it kind of undersells how absurd this movie actually is, <laughs> because Miami Connection is not a movie about battling for control of Miami's drug trick. Firstly... The band doesn't want control of a drug trade at all. And secondly, it doesn't. Uh, the Miami connection doesn't take place in Miami. And that's <laughs> extremely important to know. So if I had to describe this movie, not not to pitch, because you pitched it better. There's there's no there's no beating that. But if I just had to like put something on the back of the thing, I'd say that it's a movie about a gang of ragtag orphans, all of whom are in their 30s, who live in, together and face the challenges of the world through the power of friendship and Taekwondo. They are also in a band. They are also all enrolled in the same community college. But when a gang of motorcycle ninjas comes to town, all hell breaks loose. I, I could see that being like a Netflix reality show. Um, it was originally developed as an extension of the YK Kim brand. Uh, Grandmaster YK Kim being a businessman slash Taekwondo competitor and instructor slash motivational speaker slash exercise guru slash author. And we will get back to him in a little while. <laughs> uh, the plot of the movie slots right into the ninja craze of the 80s, which is kind of something we touched on with New York Ninja. Movies like The Last Ninja, American Ninja Parts 1 through 5, Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja 3, The Domination, all of those are part of a trilogy. In the 80s, adult action movies were all about ninjas, primarily in the direct-to-video market. And in the 90s, ninja movies would stick around, but they'd shift demographics to kids. So we shift to uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Three Ninjas, Surf Ninjas. If you don't know, know if you oh, remember, I remember Surf Ninjas, yeah. Surf Ninjas was awesome. At least when I <laughs> at least when I was five. And then um, also in that genre is um, Little Ninjas. So Miami Connection paved the way for Little Ninjas, is what you're saying? Well, not really, because nobody saw Miami Connection. It's 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 it is not. Un- nobody saw Little Ninjas either. That's true. <laughs> This is kind of a little bit like New York Ninja in terms of the story. Now, this this movie wasn't like restored and recreated whole cloth, but no, definitely nobody saw it when it came out because it didn't really come out. And now that we've provided context for this movie before we dive in, I want you all to know one thing. None of it will help. <laughs> all right. Roll that big, beautiful bean footage. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have a new house band with a new dimension in rock and roll. We have the one, the only, Dragon Sound! This band is the only family I had. 
for all black belts in Taekwondo and they're pretty bad. I don't want you to mess it up by going out with a secondary musician like that John character. They came in to play goddamn songs for kids! Have you seen the film Streets of Fire? No. All right. So Streets of Fire is the action movie everyone forgets exists, and um, is I have a copy of it. Do you I really? Forget that it exists. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> All right. So it, it doesn't really slot into, in my opinion, it doesn't slot into so bad. It's good. It's just, it's just, it's just good. But that is my opinion. So grain of salt. Um, it's done by the guy who did The Warriors, and it's like stars William Dafoe, and the music okay. is by Jim Steinman of all people. It's fantastic, uh, but the whole thing is like a rock and roll action movie from start to finish. I feel like it's like if you were going to do like a professional production of this movie, that would be what you wound up with. All right, uh, I, Streets of Fire comes strongly recommended. Back to Miami Connection. I wouldn't exactly call Miami Connection the greatest film of the 1980s but <laughs> it was the greatest 1980s film never released in 1980s there's there's a lot that happens and I, I gotta say you know you know what this movie oddly enough reminded me of was the animated Transformers movie oh the good one Yes. Okay. And why I'm saying that is because the animated Transformers movie was just a 90 minute long music video with different artists playing songs in between. And that's exactly what this movie felt like. And it's every bit as ridiculously cheesy because there's a character named Rodimus Prime. (laughs) In which movie? I don't remember. All right. Well, let's see. So we we open up with our um, there's a scene of uh, a drug deal going on, a bunch of guys kind of hanging out. And then you see like ninjas creeping around in the shadows. And the one guy opens up a, a box with I don't even know what's in it, some treats or snacks or something like that. And he takes them off and there's a bunch of coke underneath there. And the next thing you know, and hey, that, just that wasn't sugar. Uh, I've misunderstood this entire film. <laughs> yes. Surprise. Surprised. There's a movie based in Florida in the 80s that has cocaine in it. Shocker. <laughs> so yeah, and then all of a sudden, boom, ninja star to the guy. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful orgy of violence here. Just blood everywhere. Just terrible, cheesy violence. There are effects where it implies someone gets gets their arm cut off, and it just then it just cuts back to the person with their arm cut off, and they pull along scream. That's the kind of like effects we're taking. But it's all ninjas fighting drug lords. Yeah. And to think about that, I need to to emphasize the ninjas are on motorcycles. We cannot <laughs> forget that the ninjas are on motorcycles. Everyone who makes fun of Naruto's orange jumpsuit, I want you to understand the ninjas are on Harleys. And there's several montages of them driving their Harleys. So like they're kind of like Sturges in this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. But yes, ninjas besiege the drug lords. They kill a whole bunch of people. They flee silently into the night on their revving motorcycles. <laughs> Back to their dojo, and then a then a ninja who in is normal street clothes at this point, like they're riding motorcycles. And- no, not yet. 
Yeah. Oh, no? Okay. Okay, so they, they, they go back to the dojo, and in the dojo, a ninja who is their leader, dressed in white, comes and reminds them all that while they successfully killed all the drug lords, they forgot to grab the money. But he remembered the money. And then it cuts to the credits, and then it's the ninjas in their normal street clothes, driving motorbikes. And we get a location uh, drop at this point. Do you, do you want to tell everyone the location of the movie Miami Connection? Uh, is it pretty much all in Orlando? Yes. Miami yeah. Connection. I hear they, they, they mentioned Orlando and they mentioned Central uh, Florida quite often. So somewhere in that area. Yes. So the ninjas are from Miami, but they are infiltrating Orlando to deal the drugs that they just stole. So the plot of the movie entirely, the ninjas are the Miami Connection, but the film takes place in Orlando. And it has taken me several watches to parse that. Yeah. And I think like the only mention of Miami was kind of in the credits. And then when the one guy says towards the end of the movie, uh, the Miami ninja. And then no one can escape. And, that's the only, that's, and then you're like, oh, right. okay. Oh, I, oh, I get it. Because like now. the minute the credits are over, it's got a skinny cityscape and it says Orlando, Florida. And yeah. that's just where we're at <laughs> for the rest of the film. Um, yes. But the minute the credits are over, we go from an intro credit song to a song in a nightclub. Yes. Um, by the way, this drives me nuts. The guy introducing them on the nightclub, the the, the nightclub owner, <laughs> when he's on yeah. the stage facing them, there's like there's like there's a fan behind him, but it's like a normal ceiling fan just above the stage, and it's it, it it looks weird because it looks like it look <laughs> it looks like a house fan, like like you would have in your house, like like in the seventies is like the plywood and shit. It's. <laughs> <laughs> it probably was. The, so the film starts and then we are treated to what is perhaps the greatest song that I have heard in a movie. Yes. Um, I don't know if I should play it in its entirety right here, but it is a fantastic song. Um, we, I could play a little snippet of it if you'd like, yeah, just to please. get you in the mood. We'll, we'll go out on that one so you can listen to it in its entirety. Or you could watch the movie where they play the song in its entirety. Several times. <laughs> like, normally when you watch a movie, they'll show you, you know, it'll be like a, a minute of a song, usually at most. This is a full three minutes of the song with a montage of things going on in the background. So let's talk about the band. Um, the band is performing in this scene Several of them are in their geese, or is it just YK Kim? I think at this point it was just YK Kim. So Kim is in his gi. Everyone else is in a shirt, uh, the same shirt that I'm wearing right now. A red shirt that says Dragon Sound with the sleeves rolled up. They're all the same exact shirt. Um, that's the name of the band. The name of the band is Dragon Sound. I don't know what sound a dragon makes. I would. It's a, okay. it's a badass name, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, and this is this is kind of iconic like if you watch the happy music video though from pharrell back in 2012 like one of the guys is dancing around in a dragon sound shirt oh nice everyone has an instrument that they are quote-unquote playing and except for um there's a girl on stage i don't actually know her character's name i do know her actress's name because it, it was jane jane okay uh, and the reason i remember that is because so many people in this fucking movie have a name that starts with J. <laughs> it was Jeff. There was Jack. There was Jim. There was John. So yeah, you. <laughs> 
You had John, Jane, Jack, Jim, and Jeff. And then you had fucking Tom and Mark. (laughs) (laughs) They should have just went with it, man. You will notice she is... She is not playing an instrument or singing in this moment. It appears to be her entire presence on stage is just to dance. If you only watched this one performance, like you'd be forgiven if you thought she did anything else. I need to draw your attention to two things that happened. There is she's dancing. The other thing is about halfway through this song, a guy jumps up like like center stage with a guitar and just shreds. Right. <laughs> Dude with like curl with like a curly mullet. And yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Tom. Tom. All right. Here's the thing about Tom and Jane. Tom is Angelo uh, Gennati. Uh, Tom is in this movie because his sister was working for YK Kim as a photographer taking pictures, promotional pictures. And when they needed this movie, they needed a musician um, to be in the film. All right. So they, you know, they started talking to the sister and then they gave him the connection and Angelo got in the film. The other person is uh, Kathy Sorrell and Angelo and Kathy wrote all this music together. Okay. Like they composed all the song. The first song they did is we're, we're going to hear later is against the ninja. Right. But yeah, we heard that in the, in the uh, trailer. Yeah. And then oh, that's right. You're right. So against the ninja is the first thing they wrote. And then this is the, this is technically the, the this is sorry. The first thing they wrote uh, Kim didn't like because it was like hard guitar stuff. So then they wrote against the ninja, and when he liked that, then they came up with Friends, which is you know the best track. Oh, certified hit. Although you know against the ninja is a, is a straight up banger too. That's a great one. So and and Kathy actually performs the vocals of that. But Angelo and Kathy wrote all this music, and then they performed these parts in the film. And also, and this is crucial. They are credited with telling the rest of the band members how to act like they were playing instruments on film. <laughs> and I feel like some people got that better than others. <laughs> Kim is playing our main character, Mark. Yeah. And uh, how would you describe Mark's fake guitar playing? About as good as my fake taekwondo <laughs> fighting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, 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 do, do, do you remember at the end of Back to the Future when... Marty McFly finally plays uh, Johnny Be Good, mm-hmm. and the fake guitar playing is one thing, but like the singing, it, that voice is not coming out of Michael J. Right. Fox. It's so pronounced it immediately takes you out of the movie. Right? Yeah. It doesn't matter because Back to the Future is fun, and I'm already invested <laughs> in that at that point. In fact, there's a Back to the Future poster right next to my Miami Connection poster. Awesome. Let me let me put on my Back to the Future iridescent hat for the rest of this film. The thing is. This is it's that bad, but just the upstairs. He's literally just like just like performatively just trying to strum this guitar. And I feel like four year olds with playstool guitars have uh, more of like a more believable mo- pantomime going on than what's going on in this film. <laughs> but that's not the only thing that happens in this sequence. Um, in this sequence specifically, they kind of get they kind of get um loose with it because they are performing taekwondo on stage the band is explicitly only singing songs about taekwondo while also performing taekwondo i would pay for that act yeah it's a great act to be honest <laughs> i know we're like 20 minutes of the movie we haven't gone past this stream but honestly this and the end are the best parts right because we're gonna like move in and out through everything else that happens but this this opening sequence is what's going to sell you yeah you, you really know what you're in for you had you had to 
cocaine, you had ninjas on motorcycles, and you have a, a rock band taekwondo. You walk out of the movie if you want, because you know what you're getting. At this scene, Mark kind of grabs Jim's nose with his foot <laughs> and just leads him all around with his foot as part of the performative taekwondo demonstration to go along with the music. Um, this was not planned. <laughs> Jim did not know this was going to happen. Um, Maurice, the actor playing Jim, did not know this was going to happen when Kim did this, and uh, he's still he's still a little a little confused by the whole thing. <laughs> what he does say is that is that Kim's feet were strong, and he feels like it was not the first time he had done that to someone. It's, I mean, it wasn't even the only time in the movie he had done that to someone. <laughs> so that's the performance. And then after that, I think we go watch them attend uh, the computer class. They do. We do. We do see at this point, though, uh, some some important story does happen because the ninjas have driven to this nightclub in street clothes and they meet up with their dealer in Orlando. His name is Jeff and he is Jane's brother, although he may also be the ninja's brother. I, the ninja the ninja calls him his brother. I'm not sure if it's symbolic. <laughs> If it's like a like a like a, like my brother in Christ, my brother in cocaine, blood brothers, or if it's genetic, I don't know. But because because like that would be a wild plot chain with Jane later on. But anyway, yeah, um, they meet up and they establish that Jane is Jeff's sister and that Jane is dating one of the care one of the band members uh, played by Vince John. Hirsch. John, John, another yeah. J name. Mm-hmm. I'm angry at Jane names in this movie. God, when when Jeff is talking to Jane about uh, about who he's dating, I had to I had to. This is my friend John. Oh, Jeff, I heard a lot of good things about you. Where'd you find this son of a bitch? He's a friend of mine from school. A friend? How can you act like that? Shut up! <laughs> God, this movie is art. What? <laughs> like all of a sudden you find out like your sister's dating somebody and the first thing you think of is where'd you find this son of a bitch a friend and then you call yeah a friend and you freak out and then punch him in the face his reaction to a friend was the funniest i rewound that and watched it like five times this happens after the computer class after the performance so there's yeah. doesn't there's nothing of real note in the computer class it's just it's just there to establish that everyone is going to school to better themselves and that um jane and john are dating and that jeff is not on board yeah. One would say, yeah, she's she tells John that he hangs out. Oh, before that situation, I guess, yeah, was, she's having the conversation with that weird where they're just walking down the college in a really weird shot. Uh, you can just tell they just put a camera, just like, all right, let's just walk and see what happens. Um, but that he was involved with shady, shady characters and extremely jealous. So, why is a brother getting that jealous over his sister? I, I'm not going to read too much into it besides the fact that they needed some type of conflict. Should have. I can I can shed some light on this. Okay. So the the way this came about is um, Kim is from South Korea and he's fairly successful at this point and he's on a South Korean talk show and film director uh, Woo Sang Park, who is also credited as Richard Park in some American productions, uh, went to him and said, let's make a movie together. And Kim's like, Fuck yeah, right? Because why wouldn't you be? So Kim's all on board to make this movie. And and Park's going to direct, but they need to write it. So Kim Kim goes to um, his student, Joe Diamond. 
and he says, I need help making this movie. And the first, and they bring Joe on as, as a production assistant. And then he's, then he's doing this. Then he's like a casting director and a production assistant. He's like doing five things. And by the end, they're like, okay, we also need you to help write it. <laughs> so Joe buys, and he cites, he cites specifically eight different books on f- screenwriting and then writes the script within a month of, t- of reading those. Wait, there was, there was an actual script for this. Movie? Well, he says there was. <laughs> Angelo, Jim, Angelo, um, Maurice, who plays Jim, and Vince, who plays John, seem to imply that it was more like an outline, and most of their lines were improvised. Okay, that sounds more like yeah. Which, if can you believe that a lot of this movie was improvised? That is shocking. I shocking look the action scenes are highly choreographed and outside of that it's it's it seems like it's just everybody's game and to there's only happening. so many hours in a day mm-hmm. so you've really got to pick one or the other yeah <laughs> so that's why we're not really sure on the brother situation with with the ninja and jeff and why the, the there's all this conflict with the sister that isn't really explained in a, a satisfying way but just serves to be like something to butt your head against right so yeah. You're going to see a lot of plot holes like that. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, you should embrace the plot holes. It's like Swiss cheese. It's part of the overall product. Right. <laughs> I, I, don't know how, I don't know how that analogy plays, but we're going to go with it. Because if I stop to think about the quality, uh, well, that kind of thing just wouldn't have gotten Miami Connection made, now would it? Right. You can't sit there and just nitpick the little details when the overall product that you're getting is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, but they they really hit each other in all these scenes, by the way. Just going to add that on to to what's going on in this movie. They weren't like pulling punches. They just like just flat out hit each other in all of these fight scenes. (laughs) <laughs> like these are real fight scenes. <laughs> these are most it's they're choreographed, but also real. So right. fun. It's like wrestling. <laughs> uh so so we're at the um let's see, the all the all the, the cars pull up, uh Jeff gets out there, he says that line, he punches dude in the face for literally uh, no no reason, just other than the fact that he's dating his sister. And then we cut back to the bar where a Apparently there was a band that got kicked off of stage so that Dragon Sound could play. And so, okay, can you tell the difference between this person and Jeff? Because I watch this movie all the time, and I, I have definitely seen this movie around at least around twenty times, and <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know. Still, always surprises me that they're separate characters. They just look very much alike to me. Jeff and this other guy. It's the beard, I yeah. guess. And then, then when they're on screen together, you're almost like looking for that weird split they used to have in the 80s movies mm-hmm. where it was just double. And it's not there. Double trouble. The, the guy was apparently in a band that got kicked off so Dragon Sound could be on stage. And he is pissed off. When we were talking just a minute ago about the ad lib dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you in here for, man? Waste my time? Bitch. I thought I fired you. Once. Dude, yeah, you fired me once because of goddamn Dragon Sound. That's bullshit. They came in here to play goddamn songs for kids. Now, who you bullshit? They play a lot better than you, man. You're playing for old people. Music. Your music's for old hey, people. Hey, look, buddy. Fat man, you don't know what music's all about. I tell you what, are you deaf? You sure don't know how to play, I tell you that. That's my you got it? Ooh. Tell me, That's it, buddy. Your so, the, the fact that any of that was ad libbed, I just refuse to believe. Just natural sounding dialogue. I want to point out two things about this sequence. One, who would have known that the um, owner also knew Taekwondo? It's almost as if, and and stop me if this is shocking to you, this entire film was mostly cast by students of YK Kim. No. Yeah. 
<laughs> much like little ninjas was mostly people from that one guy's dojo. Yeah, so they're from martial <laughs> arts world. His like All his right. like franchise. The other thing I want to point out is Charlie Day could have played that part. Yeah, that would have been great. It it when I was watching that, it kind of reminded me of like uh, there's actually a few scenes that reminded me of uh, some skits from the state. Like when some of their skits would just go off on like a really weird angle, and people just be yelling at each other. I'm like, this is just sounds like that. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> it's it's, bec- it's because the levels of comedy it achieves are unintentional, but they are absurdist, right? It's it's straight up kids in the hall type stuff. Uh, especially the guy that looks like a low rent Kid Rock, like ten like ten years before Kid Rock shows up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the difference is like, I believe that this Kid Rock has been in a trailer park and I can say that I grew up in one. Uh, so. So, yeah. Um, so these are our bad. Uh, our, we have the bad band, which I don't even think they had a name of the band. I think they were just the older band or something like that. Mm-hmm. They do not have a name. Uh, I don't yeah. even know if any of those characters are named. Who was? Oh, no. We get to the next scene and it's the uh, the main bad ninja guy in the white, which I don't know his name either, but. I don't know if he had one. Um, well, uh, Kim just calls him the white ninja and the couple of um, documentaries I've seen. So I, okay, I, yeah. I, I, IMDB might have a credited role for him, but I don't think it's a super important. Yeah. So, so we'll just call him white ninja. Uh, he tells Jeff that I don't, this is, I don't, I don't, I, this is another one of these big plot holes with whatever. He tells Jeff that he needs to get rid of ninja sound because they are bad for business. Are you familiar with Jim? Truly outrageous, Jim. Truly, truly outrageous. <laughs> Do you get Jim vibes from this movie? <laughs> a little bit. Something about the uh, the the rock band. It's the rock band, the orphans, the yeah. saving the world. It's it's like it's it's like martial arts, Jim, and I am here for it. <laughs> I don't know, man. And then it jumps from that to um, does to the beach scene, yeah. No, we go back to the bar, and I think this is where the dragon sound is playing yeah, the, against the ninja. ninja. Against the ninja. Yeah. Yeah, and this this time you do get to see Kathy perform vocals, so she's not just dancing. So, And then we have the – it cuts to the oh, original Oh, actually, band. you know what? It might be at this scene that um the uh, the dude jumps up and shreds. I might have been too early with that. Uh, I, it, it could have been both. Both of the, scene, the scenes. The scenes kind of blur to me. He's got a fantastic 70s stash. He's got a mullet. He's not wearing a shirt and he's shredding. I mean, he just pops up in my dreams at this point. <laughs> he's at, everywhere at, and everything. <laughs> definitely a high point of the film. He's almost replaced the saxophone playing guy from Lost Boys. You know, I, I agree with you. So, yeah, uh, we have the, the original band is now waiting to uh, beat up Dragon Sound. They have bats and clubs, and they're just yelling at him with another horribly improvised lines to get out of town. Yeah, this, they and- stopped them in the cars <laughs> in the street, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They say they took uh, it took most of the night to shoot this. There was like twenty takes to shoot this fight scene. Oh wow! And uh, like several of those takes involved getting beer poured on people. Um, the thing about yeah. it, you'll notice that the dude with the, the amazing seventy stash, Angelo, who's playing Tom, um, being he was not from the dojo, he does not know how to fight. So all of his scenes, he just gets jerked around and beat up, <laughs> or he just got lifted out of the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was great. This whole scene is cool, man. Mark Mark is kicking ass in just like the most dramatic way possible. Oh yeah, he jumps out of the car kicking a dude in the face. And he's got like <laughs> and he's and he's got like driving gloves on, which effectively at work is ass kicking gloves. It's great. Oh yeah, he's not not taking anything. And there's like 30 of these dudes mm-hmm. against uh, 
well, four of our guys because the one guy can't fight. And of course, it's just like one after one. But it's weird because it switches to like slow motion every once in a while in the fights. And like some of the fights, some of the little fights that are happening are just this amazing looking choreography that's really great. And then some of it is just the worst piece of shit you've ever seen. And it just blends together in one thing. It's great. It's amazing. It really is. It's 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 a weird piece of art that it works together at all. Um, so yeah, ha- this movie wasn't done like ironically. It was just done. It was a purely genuine. Fe- That's why it works. Because movies that are it, done ironically almost never w- work out, right? Like the the closest you're getting is the restoration of New York Ninja, and even then they were like, "Well, we can't be self aware with this. We're just trying to do it the way it w- we think it would have done." Right. Yeah. And the most self-aware part of it is if you read, if you read the credits, people are just named like, like cufflinks guy. No, it's it's Johnny (laughs) cufflinks. Like like, (laughs) outside of that, it's, it's fairly spot on. And that's why this works is because it's just genuine. It's, it's not great, but it's amazing. And it's genuine. (laughs) It's, it's okay. So like I saw, I saw a screening of this at the Alamo draft house with YK Kim in attendance. And before they played the film, uh, he brought some of his students from martial arts world to do a demonstration. And the dude, like they brought out the American flag and they were playing like one of the patriotic songs. I don't know which one. I'm a terrible citizen. I don't know, but it wasn't, it wasn't the anthem. It's one, it's one of the other ones. It's the purple grain right. one, whatever. And they're like, they're, they're like playing that while he's like, just like breaking boards with this Taekwondo demonstration. And it was simultaneously the lamest and most badass thing I've ever seen. And right. that's it's that same it, he, he brings that energy to everything in his life, and that's what this movie works. It's both the most badass and the lamest thing possible, and it's a true classic because of it. Yeah, if I mean that should be the name of his autobiography. It sounds like just <laughs> the lamest, most badass thing you know. Uh, I feel like it'll be something like like American Dream or like, yeah. like the Five <laughs> Disciplines or something. Okay, okay, he gives me like shyster energy from the other things he does in his <laughs> life, but I can't criticize him because he seems. I don't know that he's a shyster. All of his students seem to like him, and he seems really genuine. He seems like maybe he's a true believer in this kind of ideology but also he is like selling everything he can possibly sell so i don't like if it it be anyone else in the world i'd be like i don't know about that dude but i saw miami connection and i'm like "Uh, yeah he's uh he's he's just slightly too badass to be like a grifter he he actually produces something so it's like okay he doesn't feel slimy but i don't know so they have this fight sequence and then they go back to school and they have a which it, it, this entire scene serves as them expressing their desires to spread world peace through Taekwondo and doing what is essentially a Taekwondo demonstration in their geese on the quad for like eight minutes. It's a long time. <laughs> oh, oh wait, wait, we we no, we missed the beach and we missed the uh, the oh, Jim finding the picture of his. Oh, <laughs> is is that is that before <laughs> yeah. that? Okay. Oh yeah. So it comes to the beach next. Yeah, we go. Well, no, it cuts to them at the uh, at his house. Oh, it cuts to the house. Okay, this is when we find out that they're all orphans. Yeah, why? which by the way, I don't know if you got that sound clip or not, um, but that comes out of nowhere. I, I did not cut that one, but yeah, it okay. Is. So Jim is being a little evasive, and he and then he and emotional, and he finds a a picture of his dad, and he starts start. Well, he he says that he found his dad. He's been looking for him, and he's <laughs> and he reached out to him and. And um, 
or he's he's trying to reach out to him and find him, and every everyone comes out like your dad and Mark. He says, "I thought we were all orphans." <laughs> and uh, where did that come from? And that's the part that really sells me that this is a Saturday morning cartoon that was given life. It, it but it made it. It was another one of those things that when you like when you kind of dissect and you look at these scenes, you're like, "What? Why did they feel the need to include that?" But again, you don't care because it's all fun. But it's still like, wait a minute, why are we taking this really, like, really serious detail? Well, because they were really serious about this film. They wanted, they made this movie seriously. They they didn't intend anything to be comedy in it. When they realized that it played as comedy live, they're like, oh, cool, that's that's fine. You know, they were they were okay with it. They rolled with it. You know, the way Tommy was so did. Right. But they were, but they were upfront about that they were always serious. The way that Tommy was so isn't. I can I can tell this movie was done seriously. Yeah. Like it was it was it was pure of heart when it was made, but. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah. also, uh, it took two hours to get that crying scene. So Jim explains that his father uh, was an American. Yeah, my mom's Korean and my dad was black American. Right. That's his words. <laughs> and, and then he starts crying about it. And you know, like he's been trying to find them and he feels a sense of loss. That scene took two hours to, to get. They said wow. he, he, he just, he just, to get him to get that emotional cry. They tried onions. They tried eye drops. <laughs> The works. <laughs> it was. It was. It. It seemed. It seemed a little forced. Yeah, I, I, it's. It's not. It's not unfair to say that that, that Maurice is the worst actor. But true. But Jim is, gave him the most. They gave him like the most emotional things yeah. too. I know. That's why. It's why Jim is still the best character. Yeah. Yeah. Now we go to the beach and we play that that friends till eternity song again because you just got it out of your head so let's cram it back in there one more time right and then and they're kind of just going through and checking out all the girls and hanging out having fun um i did i did have to cut with him talking hold on make it with rockstar hey baby look good hey all right Make it with a rock star. Yeah, he does a wiggle. He does this weird little. Hey, baby. He does. He does like he flexes his bicep, and then he does like this weird, like, like jerky wiggle motion in the in in the in the jeep, and it it is lodged in my brain forever. It's like seared into the back of my eyelids. That (laughs) wiggle motion, Um, and then he gets beat up by girls later when he tries to um, to hit on them on the beach. So again. Tom's character gets beat up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He tries to kiss the one girl. She shoves him away and he falls on top of another girl. And, and then they all five girls start beating him up. It's pretty, yeah. It's pretty great. Um, and then they get to that weird scene of, of Jeff and Jane making out in a chair. That's like halfway into John. John. Yeah. Sorry. It's real important that John and Jane <laughs> make been, out and not <laughs> Jeff and Jane make out. <laughs> that would have been a whole different movie. Yeah. And the, anyway, but, this is fun. It's good. It's just kind of, it's trying to build that, that camaraderie between them all. It's, it's introduced another plot. It's introduced drama. And then they cut to the beach to liven things up. And then we go back Do they go to the, the, okay. So there's, there's two things that happen in my head. One is, one is the Sturgis rally. The other is the band approaching Jeff, which happens. Yeah, next. It's, the, it's the band band approaches Jeff. Okay. So the band approaches Jeff, the band that got kicked out by dragon sound. And they go to Jeff and they say, okay, look, if you give me my job back, all the money that I make will be yours. What the fuck is the point of having the job? <laughs> now, who you bullshit? 
Yes, who you bullshit, indeed. I thought, like, get us back our job, and then you can have all the money. Just, just find another bar. You're in not Miami. I'm sure there's plenty of bars in Orlando. Let's play another one. The other thing that happens here is um, he says, there's just one thing you got to know. They're all black belts in Taekwondo. <laughs> yes. And just the, his line delivery of that is fantastic. And now is when we cut to your uh, Taekwondo practice. That feels like an infomercial for Taekwondo. It goes on for four minutes. I counted. I I, t- <laughs> I kept I kept track. That is entirely. And it look it's just people doing slow like Taekwondo moves and like a little bit of practice. And there's a couple little, you know, simulated fight scenes and then a weird fist in the mouth slow motion hit. Yeah, and then a discussion about wanting to bring world peace to the world through Taekwondo. Yeah. And then and then he grabs um uh. John's nose with his toes in this scene as well. Cause that's, that's gotta be a, it's, it's gotta be a, you think he does that for goofs or you think it's a kink? <laughs> I don't I, know. I think goofs, but we'll find out. <laughs> Let, let's ask Quentin. But yeah, they decided that they were going to, uh, they're going to, this band is going to take over. I mean, they just got their first bar gig. So next stop world tour, uh, they're going to, they're going to go to all the countries where they're from and, put on a performance and then they're going to go to the taekwondo dojos nearby and do taekwondo performances there so it's a very loving peaceful message um we'll get to that (laughs) and so anyway the 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 point here is is that both the ninjas and um the drug dealers in orlando want to put the the screws to dragon sound and they're going to start doing that Basically, the rest of the movie plays out as, as as fight sequences with a couple story beats. Yeah, a lot of montages going on here. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of like highlight a lot of this stuff. I don't because I don't want to spoil action for you guys. It's great. Um, we're gonna hit the story beats, and the story beats are that there's another fight sequence um, in the train yards. Yeah, and at this point, we see the Kid Rock guy show up, and his com- yep. his actually comedy is is fairly okay considering the character that he is because he's just doing some bulk and skull physical stuff. It's after that sequence. Cause they end it's up the Sturgis. Yeah. They Sturgis. And then they have the bike rally and they decide on further action. And did they do that bike rally just to be able to show titties? Probably because like, cause it, it they're way out of place for anything. Else. Yeah. They were just filming that. That, that was just happening around them. <laughs> They're like, hey, look at this. I, right. th- I think partly because they had ninjas. They're like, why not bike? If they have biker ninjas, why not have a bike rally? Tom they gets kidnapped. Him. They, take, they take Tom. So they have to save Tom. And it's a pretty intense action scene. And they actually end up killing a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Including, and this might cause a problem in the relationship at some point. Jane's brother, Jeff. I think my my favorite one is like the guy that gets hit in the neck with a pipe yeah. and it just blood squirts out it's, everywhere. It's just it's a thing of beauty. <laughs> and then yeah, poor uh, poor poor Jeff takes a tumble off a tower and dies. Mm-hmm. But they save Tom. Yeah. And then the next day, Jim gets a letter. So <laughs> so they find out that his that they have found his father. His father is coming to see him. 
So they all decide to throw what little money they have together <laughs> to go he's buy him a suit. Coming to see him tomorrow. Yeah. He like he got a letter tomorrow. in the mail. Said, yeah. Oh, he'll tomorrow. Yeah. What if, the, what if the letter was late? Yeah. Well, for real. <laughs> but uh, he, they go buy him a suit with the little money that they have, and then on the way from the suit from the the from the store getting the suit to mm-hmm. the airport, they are confronted by. The ninjas out for revenge because you see they killed Jeff and Jeff is the white ninja's brother, and he says, "We must avenge Jeff's death. You will not escape the Miami Ninja." Yes, yes, <laughs> fantastic! Like delivery. I literally fist pumped. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The Miami Ninja. So um, there's a huge, another huge confrontation here. They they all get d- driven out of the car and they have to fight like in like the canals next to the mm-hmm. road. And they sla- they're fighting with swords, and they slash Jim completely open, yeah, like in his chest. He's just hemorrhaging out, and so they're all. And so it's 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 um it's it's John and Mark are left to fight with the swords that are left, and they are just mowing people down, cutting people's heads off, just just killing them with these swords. And some truly intense scenes too, and. Then at the, yeah, it's pretty serious there. And then at the end, there's a confrontation with the White Ninja, and uh, Mark wins, and they gonna and they they rush to the hospital to get Jim the help that he needs, right? Mm-hmm. And his dad lands and meets them at the hospital, and Jim pulls through. Yes, and they have a lovely conversation about friendship. Yep, and how much they mean to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, very bizarre after this huge battle that was just going on. Yeah. And then we get a message at the end of the film. <laughs> this is the end of the movie. The movie is over. But oh, yeah. it fades to black, and there is a message, a thesis for the whole film, summed mm-hmm. up on white font against the black background before Friend starts playing again. Only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace. Which if I say out loud, does seem like a weird statement in a movie that both begins and ends with a blood orgy. Now, who you bullshit? <laughs> okay. When, when we say eliminate violence, we mean use as much violence as possible to stop violence. So you ready to talk about why the movie ends the way it does? Oh, I, yeah, I need to know everything. Okay. I guess I have to talk about the production to get back to that, but we'll talk about the disclaimer. The reason that disclaimer is there is they, they watched the movie and they saw how violent it actually was and that that goes against their core ideology of what Taekwondo is about. So they decided that if they added that at the end, it would help promote the ideology of Taekwondo and kind of counteract all of the violence in the film, um, which it does not. That's like just like punching your child in the face and then telling them not to hit somebody. Hey, congratulations, you have a really <laughs> dubious YouTube channel. <laughs> Jesus. So they finished this movie. In the original version of this film, they do not kill the White Ninja. The White Ninja wins the confrontation, and Jim dies on the way to the airport, and the last scene is him dying in the car and then the plane, which is presumably his father's plane, landing. Jesus, that's dark. Isn't it just? <laughs> I mean, the ending we got was, I mean, it ended slightly happier besides the mass murder that just happened. Exactly. <laughs> Every, all <laughs> of the heroes lived. And then we get the uh, friends to the for, forever song. Yeah. A friend! God damn it. <laughs> okay, the point is it's, it ends up being. Here is the reason. 
it didn't play, so they had to fix it. That, that, that's it. But like, the movie's over. They wrap shooting. Wusang Park. He goes back to South Korea with this version of the film for distribution. I was not able to find out how that distribution went. Hmm. Um, however, by the way, he had directed other things before. He had direct. He directed about twenty five uh, martial arts films in total. And then he was the um, bar owner that was getting terrorized by the band earlier. That like, oh, okay. just like kicked some people's ass because it looked like he knew yeah. how to do that. He did. And that was the director. And then on stateside, Kim goes to Hollywood. And he says he shows it to every studio in town. I'm sure whatever studio would, 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 uh, would see him. And they all say, it's shit. We're not touching it, right? We can't try it. <laughs> We're not touching this movie. It's trash. It's not going to play. Right. Then he takes it to Cannes, and nobody at Cannes wants to buy it either. But this one guy at Cannes, this one guy at Cannes tells him if he were to rewrite the movie and reshoot and re-edit it, then they'd have a chance. <laughs> Which you will note, he is now suggesting wow. to, re- to make it an entirely different movie. Jeez. I don't know the extent to what they did, but basically that is what he did and decides to do is he's going to reshoot the move large portions of the movie with different scenes and different uh, in a different ending, which is probably why some of this feels grafted on after the fact. And um, he doesn't know how to direct. So he went and bought a book. <laughs> You'll notice there is a theme. Yes. And then they directed the reshoots and then the reshoots. Um, Jim lives and gets to reconnect with his dad and they kill the white ninja and win the day. Um, I don't know what else they've done. Those are just the ones that get pointed out. So overall, they went with a more positive film. And that is the reason it ends the way it does. Hey, Patrick from the future, just chiming in to say that since we've recorded this episode, Vinegar Syndrome has released a new version of Miami Connection with the original cut of the film available to view. And while I will be checking that out later, I have not as of yet seen what the differences are. If you would like to find out, they are available. And the new cut is called Escape from Miami, and it is on the Vinegar Syndrome release. All right. I mean, I guess I could, I guess I could see why I did that. It's, it, it was the whole Jim's dad thing was just such a weird plot line in the, in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, that felt like, yeah. I mean, maybe that that was all the part that they tacked on to kind of make it. No, because like his Jim's dad is the plain lance in the original one. They, yeah, they I just, guess so. They're just juxtaposing it with him dying. So like you embrace hope. I'm, I'm just making excuses for this movie and I shouldn't because it stands on its own. It does stand on its own. <laughs> Jesus. The, I mean, the cast liked being in it. They had kind of a family feel, which again is is kind of a consistent story with a lot of the movies that we watch. Oh yeah, I mean you can usually tell. Sometimes when the movie's just complete garbage, but the people are having fun making it, it's fun to watch it because everyone's just having a good time. Yeah, and YK Kim, he's like a true believer in the stuff that he promotes, um, and he feels like this movie showcases how you can overcome all obstacles with Taekwondo and rock and rock. It's it. It felt like if you would t- if you were to take a like uh, a forty five minute like rock album and decide to pepper in a 45 minute Taekwondo infomercial and just shuffle them together. You know, it's funny you show and say infomercials. Who is YK Kim? YK Kim is a modern philosopher, great public speaker, respected author, successful entrepreneur and world renowned evangelist of the martial arts. 
There is no one quite like Y.K. Kim. His ideas have redefined the notion of success in our modern world. He lifted up the quality of people's lives with the New American Dream and U.S. National Exercise. Y.K. Kim serves as a living testament that the American Dream is alive and kicking. His next goal is to extend martial arts world to every corner of the earth so that he can spread physical fitness, mental fitness, moral fitness, financial fitness, and life fitness to make our collective dream come true, a healthier and happier world. It is my honor to present to you, my friend and your friend, Grandmaster Y.K. Kim. So was that played at the, the draft house when he was actually there? Um, what was that from? No, no, I don't know what that was from exactly because because a lot of those products are direct infomercials that I went and watched. And lead up to this, <laughs> uh, fact checking. You got a fact. Check. I got a fact check. He he got a black belt when he was thirteen, by the way. So all right. So he he was he, not bad at martial arts. No. He was pretty kick ass. Yeah. Um, I have a picture with him too. I am so lame. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Um, but uh, no, they they introduced him, you know, because when you go to see a draft house screening, they, they kind of do like this whole party thing beforehand where they like introduce people and do trivia and stuff and then, then throw a big party for their special guests and their special guests usually has like a Q&A thing. And then they step out, the movie plays, and then you can kind of go get their, their um, autographed after the fact. I saw I saw the uh, Greg Sestero uh, for The Room, too. It's a fun time. See, I've only been in one situation like that, and that was I, I didn't even know that the the uh, director was going to be there. Um, it was uh, Tales from the Dark Side, right? No, it was the underground comedy movie with Vince Offer, Jesus, the Christ. laptop guy. Oh wow! He, uh, I, we were sitting there, and uh, it was just playing in Berkeley, and I was like, I want to go see this movie. It just looks really bizarre. Next thing you know, there's like this part where they're singing like a song just called "I Hate L.A." And I, me and my buddy were just like, yeah, fuck LA. And then he leans in from behind us and it's just going, yeah. And like pats us on the shoulder and we're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> there was probably 20 people in the whole movie theater, but the, the director approved of our uh, riffing along with his movie. So the draft house kind of comes back into it in just a second, but I will say that there was eventually a premiere in Orlando of his recut version. They packed, they ran PR for weeks. They packed the entire house. Everyone in the house kind of laughed and had a good time. But ultimately they released Miami connection in a world that just wasn't ready for like that kind of an experience. Cause there, there's a weird co-mingling of both irony and genuine love that you have to have for a movie like this. Right. It's not, it's, yep. it's, it, I, my love for it is genuine, but it is all us also based on irony. So where where does that line it's a get weird drawn? mix? Yeah, it's, you you, it, you can't really make a film like that. It just has to happen. It has to happen. It almost has to happen in a world where your mind has already been poisoned by internet humor. <laughs> um, but it didn't work, and it ran for two weeks, and then it shuttered, and it's just the movie just never took off. Eventually, he was able to move past it financially, but you know, he had a really complicated relationship with the film. Enter the Alamo Draft House. So the Alamo Draft House does this thing. You might know about it. It's called secret screenings, and that is they play like like random stuff that they find without announcing it. You go to the secret screening, you don't know what you're going to see. You pay, and you go see something new. So the local programmer he found this on eBay. He'd never heard about it. He just bought it for I think uh, Wikipedia says fifty bucks. I don't know if that's factual because it's on Wikipedia, wow. but it is true that a programmer just found it on eBay and bought it. <laughs> 
Nice. And they just played it because it was a secret screening. So they're like, well, let's just find it. And the house went crazy. And so I think they played it a couple more times and it just had a really good reception. So they ended up passing it on to Draft House Films creative director. And he's like, oh, and he gets in touch with Kim. Kim thought he was joking because nobody liked the movie back then. <laughs> like I've been trying to get distribution for 30 years. Yeah. And so in like 2012, Miami Connection finally gets wide distribution on home video. <laughs> through uh draft house films and they still they still run screenings of it it's an amazing movie all hail miami connection i don't know what to say friends forever (laughs) so was it were they like trying to like make a band out of this as well like was what is uh angelo we said his name was tom what was his musical forte after this not in film uh, as Kathy is cited on Far Cry Blood Dragon, the 80s Far Cry, but I think it's for a song from this movie. I could be wrong. I couldn't find the credit on that. Yeah, it, it, it almost seemed like it was like it was trying to be <laughs> like a way to pitch their band. It was like throw them in this movie. It just seems no. so bizarre. No, they, they Kim wanted wanted this to be a musical thing for some reason. And they were and they were just looking for a musician and they just happened to know Angelo by way of uh six degrees of separation. And she's like, Yeah, sure, I'll do it for money, you know, why wouldn't you? Angelo would do anything for money. Uh, he looks like the kind of guy that would just be like, eh. do you know, like older musicians that are just like kind of there, man, you know, that kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. That's the vibe he gives off. He might not be the person, but it's a vibe he very much gives off in the making up featurette. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, he's a guy that can get, can get some things done if you need, if you need them done, but you know, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to brag about it. He just does it. I'd like to hang out with him. <laughs> It's a it's a it's a great soundtrack. It's a fantastic movie, and uh, I think you, you, everybody should go and grab a friend. A friend. So yes, a friend. this really brings us to a pretty difficult <laughs> conversation to have, then, doesn't it? Yeah. In a way, That's I brought you here to offer you a job. You think you can do it better, so here's your chance. If you could change three things for this, and God have mercy on you, uh, what would you change to make it better? Yeah, I actually had to think about this one for for a good two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Normally, it's coming right off the bat, but <clears throat> all right, get rid of the whole dad part and the whole orphan part. Oh my God! <laughs> I, I might keep the orphan part just because that's whatever. But the whole finding the dad part, I think that could have just been gone. Uh, <laughs> I would I'd get rid of the whole other band subplot. No, you bullshit! Even though we would miss out on dialogue like that, um, I'm forced to change three things. So that would have to go. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the, the third one is, I think a legitimate change that should have happened. And that is Jeff should have been Jane's ex-boyfriend instead of brother. That way, at least when the, the white ninja says that Jeff was my brother, you can like, you don't care what the relationship is because if they just killed two of Jane's biological brothers, that is a really hard thing to come back from in a relationship. Yeah, like I'm going to go travel the world with you. Woo. You're like, no, you just killed my brothers. Um, <laughs> so yeah and like they were it, evil all... but they were family and like i'm from the south i get it <laughs> and, and i think it would have it would have made more sense to why he was so angry mm-hmm. at the band and why he's angry at this you know because nobody likes their 
their ex's new love. So mm-hmm. that's why you just go and you you yell at him and call him a friend and punch him in the face. A friend. <laughs> All right, uh, murder she wrote connection. There is no murder she wrote connection, by the way. I had a feeling that would be the way with this one. It's kind of surprising if they all came from uh, Master Kim's um, martial <laughs> arts world studio or adjacent Kim uh, business that uh, they would not really have. Other action. Like, the, like uh, obviously, uh, Wu Sang Park, the director or co-director, I guess, um, with Kim, uh, he, he was in other movies, but not really a lot stateside. They were just all Korean films, so. I, I could see I could see Tom writing some like music for Murder She Wrote. Like that would have been actually cool. He's the first name I clicked. I'm like, there's got to be if like Angelo's got to show up again, and just <laughs> no nothing. The man had so much potential, and just nothing. I'll have to see if we can get him on the podcast, Dustin. <laughs> the, he sunk that the, the stars that shine the brightest burn out the quickest. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> And probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could probably. Yeah, we <laughs> we got to arrange that one of these Season days. two interviews. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I think that's that's about all I got for this. I would I would give this this movie it would be a five-star rating. I've watched it uh, three times in the past week again, and I loved every single time. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Found on Shelf. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe on whatever platform you found us on. And uh, check us out on foundonshelfpod, all one word, dot com. Uh, or for all your social media needs, we are Found on Shelf Pod. Again, all one word on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, Gmail, FetLife, you name it. Let us know what you think of the show and offer any suggestions or movies that you'd like us to check out in the future. I've, uh, I've obligated Dustin to go, go ahead and just secure that pet life account before someone associates it with us. <laughs> you got any final words for us, Dustin? I would just like to say that, uh, please, uh, subscribe along to this podcast. Cause this podcast will be your friend through eternity. Loyalty and honesty will stay together through thick and thin. like 10 seconds of that right <laughs> the rest was just for us <laughs> this is the episode that felt most like a party <laughs> it's a fantastic